Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another edition of Believe in 49ers presented by the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Tommy Call the Third. You can follow me on Twitter. You should know it by now. At Tommy, T-O-M-M-Y underscore I-I-I, triple I for the third. You can also follow along with all my written work for all things 49ers on Niners Wire via the USA Today SMG network. All right. We are officially on to Hollywood for week two of the NFL season and the Los Angeles Rams. For the second consecutive road contest, the 49ers will meet their NFC West divisional opponent, and it's a familiar one, Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, Aaron Donald, and the Los Angeles Rams. So we're going to talk a lot about that matchup specifically today. Move away off Pittsburgh. Obviously, no big win, dominant one in week one to move on to 1-0 and on the season. Another road contest. And like I said, it's against the Rams, and there are some notable names. But Cooper Cup, he will not be out there on the field on Sunday due to injury. No Jalen Ramsey. He's now in Miami. So we'll go over some of the new names to know. Some of the players we'll be watching for the 49ers. I'm going to sprinkle in a little prediction for you guys. We're going to go over some prop bets that we like in the contest and what we're looking like when it comes to action on Sunday. Um, So let's get into it. Um, Similar to the 49ers, the Rams are coming off, in my opinion, one of the more impressive wins of the week one season. In a weaker NFC conference, I'd say the Seahawks were considered a solid playoff contender. Saw a lot of predictions out there with the Seahawks landing in the playoffs and the Rams went up to Seattle and dominated, moved them around. And they looked like the team that could potentially be gunning for a playoff spot. And like I said, that's without Cooper cup, a lot of new faces, specifically offensively, some guys on defense, we don't even know who they are at this point. So we're going to learn a lot on Sunday about this Rams team, but Stafford and that young wide receiver duo really took it to the Seahawks and dominated that game. Um, You know, kind of sparking the Rams offense was two unheralded young pass catchers, the duo of Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. Hopefully I said that correct. Um, Each notched 119 yards receiving with six or more receptions. In his debut, Nakua had 10 catches on 15 targets. My goodness, that's a good start to your career. 15 targets. I mean, it's pretty clear from that alone that Stafford has found his Cooper Cup replacement early on in the season. Watching that game, you could see Sean McVay scheming him open specifically and trying to find ways to get the ball in Nakua's hands. And it's not really like Nakua did that against some washed up slouches. I mean, he's out there against Wool and Diggs, Devin Witherspoon, a high draft pick. Julian loves back there for the Seattle secondary, a talented bigger group with some big names back there. And like I said, these two guys, Nakua and Atwell dropped almost a 240 receiving alone, 16 catches between the two of them. I mean, that is a eye popping performance. It almost, I wasn't really watching a ton of that game specifically, but flipping over to red zone and you saw that 
those two stat lines keep rolling across the board. And it almost seemed like it was a bit of a, you know, a, a mistake, but you know, we got to talk a little bit about Nakua. Let's just assume at this point, it is Friday that he plays. He's been banged up this week on the injury report. I think he's listed at as questionable at the moment, but this is a guy he was a fifth round draft pick out of BYU. He spent two seasons at BYU after transferring from Washington. Ultra talented receiving room at Washington. They got two guys currently there that are probably going to be high draft picks in Jalen McMillan and Roma Dunze. All three of these guys were there at the same time. And after being kind of a fairly quiet prospect at BYU, Nakua went on to Mobile for the Senior Bowl and was impressive and impressive enough for Sean McVay to draft him and the fifth round and make him a focal point of the offense in week one. You know, will we see this in week two against the Niners? I mean, he's definitely a name that we're highlighting amongst a group of guys we're, like I said, fairly unfamiliar with. Um, Tutu Atwell, you've probably seen him before. He's a former second round pick out of Louisville who's had a quiet start to his career. Um, He's never been in really able to crack that wide receiver rotation in L.A., but, I mean, he came out strong in week one. And while it looks like Nakua could be the guy to watch as the cup role, as a possession wide receiver, a guy that's going to move the sticks, Atwell could beat you as a guy that gets you through with chunk plays. I mean, he had six catches for 119 against Seattle. He averaged nearly 20 yards per catch. He had 144 yarder. He's the guy that if he gets open, if he finds a crease, Stafford is going to put it on him. And that's that can be something that, you know, could swing a tight game amongst divisional opponents, a divisional game on the road. So Atwell, another name we have to circle heading into this matchup. Again, it's like, am I worried about these two guys? No, but something to pay attention to. And it's almost like if those are your two options that are going to beat the 49ers kind of let's see it happen type of thing. It's not like it's you're going up against Justin Jefferson or even Deontay Johnson and George Pickens, a very formidable underrated pass catching duo in Pittsburgh and the 49ers secondary, I thought played pretty well against them, but these are two guys you're going to have to pay attention to, to a piece. And I don't even think Nakua and Atwell are anywhere on the same level as Pickens and Johnson. So, you know, we will see, but those are the type of guys that if you don't pay tight enough attention to, they could hurt you. So along with Atwell and Nakua, the rest of the Rams offense for the most part is some familiar faces. You got Tyler Higby out there, Van Jefferson, who was a guy that had a lot of buzz about him entering the season as potentially the answer to Cup, you know, with Robert Woods going on to Houston. Um, was Van Jefferson going to be the guy that steps up, had some long catches in his early on in his career out of Florida? Um he played kind of the third option, it seemed like, in week one. So another guy you're going to have to pay attention because we know a little bit of who he is. Cam Akers, pretty rough performance in week one. A lot of carries, not a lot of yards, kind of savored it with a score. But the guy that looked pretty effective in the backfield for the Rams was Kyron Williams. He's a second year back on a Notre Dame. He looked more, you know, he looked like he had a little more juice than Akers did in week one. Williams spent most of last season hurt, came in on early, late in the season last year. Didn't get much of a shot because that was when kind of Akers was, you know, putting things together later in the year for the Rams. Um, but, you know, it seemed like that backfield is going to be split. We're going to see a lot of Williams probably 
it seems like Akers is still getting a bulk share of the carries in LA. So those are some of the guys, but that the 49ers, Steve Wilkes is going to have to game plan for. But I think it kind of as impressive as Nakua and Atwell and the rest of the guys for the Rams are, it kind of starts and finishes with Matthew Stafford. We have to talk about him because in my head, you know, this is a guy that looked like he was trending towards the end of his career, the washed part of his career. And, but we have to remember just the year before last year, when things kind of went off the rails, Matt Stafford was really good for the Rams on the way to their Super Bowl run. I mean, this was a guy, this was the guy getting the ball to Cooper Cup. And then last year he looked cooked. I mean, he had an injury. There was dysfunction in LA. The offensive line was terrible. He was hit a lot when he was in. But you fast forward to week one, and Stafford looks a bit like his old self. I mean, against Seattle, 22 of 38, 334 yards, no interceptions. This guy is not Kenny Pickett. And if he if players are open, if Sean McVay is scheming guys open, he's gonna follow it to a T and hit those guys that are open. It's gonna be a lot. I think more pressure on the 49ers secondary in this one, because as you know, we talk about the drop off between George Pickens and um, Deontay Johnson versus Nakua and Atwell. Well, Sean McVay is not Matt Canada either. So there's going to be, you know, you have to account for him and what McVay is going to try to do to this 49ers defense that he's very familiar with. And what, you know, how is Steve Wilkes going to counter that? I just think that Stafford, if he is kind of entering a little bit of a renaissance from or just kind of a bounce back from last season, uh, you know, that's going to be something the 49ers are going to have to deal with. And how do you deal with it? Shifting away from some Rams players we're going to be watching on Sunday to the San Francisco 49ers defense. And it kind of as it starts and goes with Matt Stafford, I think on the defensive end of the football with the 49ers you can talk similarly about Nick Bosa and, you know, starting with him, I kind of believe that this game on Sunday is kind of the Bosa new contract introductory press conference game. You know, he was on a slight pitch count last week, not a ton of practices move on to week two. And he has his feet under him in practice. He'll be in a favorable matchup against, you know, Rob Havenstein, Joe Newtbaum, guys he's gone up against plenty of times already in his career and won against them. You know, Stafford threw all over the yard against Seattle, like we were just saying, but he only was hit one time. I mean, it was an impressive performance from the Rams offensive line, throwing Stafford off his rhythm, disrupting Sean McVay's game plan. His scheme will be to hit him. And so we'll be to hit Stafford. So it will be interesting we will be watching how Nick Bosa looks and fares against this Rams offensive line that I'm not, you know, I don't consider them good by any means. Um, it's a lot of similar guys from last year. Not like they made a ton of additions or anything. And that offensive line was bad in previous seasons. So Nick Bosa should be able to take advantage and wouldn't surprise me if he tacks his first sack on and just putting pressure on Stafford. will really test, you know, is this guy really bouncing back? Is he going to revert to some old ways? Is he going to put the ball up in the air? Is he going to put the ball on the ground? Um, and if he puts pressure, if there's enough pressure on Stafford, it kind of eliminates the entire previous conversation we just had about these impressive young wide receivers for the Rams. Because if 
if McVeigh and Stafford don't have enough time to get the ball out, not really worried what those two guys are doing to the secondary. Um, you know, and on the other side of Bosa, a guy that was really impressive, got a game ball from us last week, Drake Jackson. I mean, he nearly pitched a perfect game in week one, started the season about as impressive as you could possibly imagine, really set the tone in my opinion. I, I thought that first sack on third and down to get the Steelers off the field and get Brock Purdy and Kyle Shanahan the football was a very pivotal play. It set, you know, it sent a message that, you know, even if it's not Nick Bosa, whatever, that this 49ers defense is very, very real. And that sack just put Pickett under duress for the rest of the game. He looked wildly uncomfortable out there under center. And I think it started with Drake Jackson early in the, in the game. And then he cleaned it up throughout the game. I mean, three sacks that is, you know, that is the start of something, but is it the start of an actual breakout campaign campaign for the former Trojan? Or was that Pittsburgh performance a one-off, you know, is this guy really going to pay that off? And with Bosa out there, fully healthy, playing next to Javon Hargrave, this guy's going to get the most favorable matchups probably on the field defensively for the 49ers. And if he has even 50% of the output that he had in week one against the Steelers, I mean, it is very, very problematic for the Rams up front with that line. I mean, we're not even talking about Eric Armstead. We bet we just mentioned Hargrave. We talked about Bosa. I mean, that is a nasty front four, especially if Drake Jackson develops into a player here. Um, you know, shifting to the secondary, we spent a lot of time talking about Nakua and Atwell, but who are those guys to stop them? And we talked about how the pass rush could be the thing to solve that. But while those four are all relatively established and we know what the second what the front seven is going to bring the secondary there's still question marks we're still figuring it out is it isaiah oliver is it lenore is it ambry thomas who are going to be going up against nakua and atwell on sunday and like i said i thought the 49ers secondary fared really well against a very underrated very solid wide receiver duo with johnson and pickens but outside of garbage time they didn't really do a ton but Steve Wilkes still switched and flip-flopped corners from inside to out throughout the game. And will there be some consistency? Will we start figuring out what that defensive secondary looks like for the 49ers? I think it starts in week two because there's still obviously some shuffling going around. Oliver got beat a lot during the preseason. What is that going to look like here for the 49ers? And I think week two will provide maybe a little bit of some pieces to that puzzle and they will need them, especially if these wide receivers kind of pick up where they left off against Seattle, against the Niners, that's going to be problematic. And we could, the 49ers could need the secondary in a big way. That's who we'll be watching on the defensive side of the ball. But now let's move over to offense and this offense led by Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, moved like a well-oiled machine. I mean, I'm tasked to write a studs and duds piece for Niners Wire, and it was tough to come across. Obviously, Colton McKivitz had his issues, but I mean, you got to judge it a little bit on a scale because he was going against arguably one of the best pass rushers in the NFL with TJ Watt. 
um, against them. So that's going to provide anybody with some trouble. And you can kind of say that similarly for Aaron Donald. And we'll get to see kind of our first look at Spencer Buford, Jake Mundell, Aaron Banks. It'll likely be a lot of Buford who will be going against Donald in this one. A lot of younger guys going against him for one of the first times. And in the past, the 49ers specifically, their interior always fared well against Donald. Um, but if there's one player in a game, maybe in the entire league, that can use his position to single-handedly wreck a game, it's Donald. So taking care of him has to be at the tippity top of priorities for Shanahan and the 49ers offense. As much as we've talked about some of these other guys, it kind of starts and ends with Donald. If he is on and wrecking the game, it's going to be tough to deal with for Brock Purdy and company. Um, but again, you know, Donald's kind of put together some of his more lackluster performances when he's faced the 49ers. Um, you know, another guy I want to touch on offensively outside of the offensive line is, you know, a few skill position guys and starting with Elijah Mitchell. I mean, I've talked about it almost every week here on Believe in 49ers that I think Kyle Shanahan needs one of these guys in the backfield to step up behind CMC. I just I don't believe it's a smart plan of action for McCaffrey to shoulder the load in the backfield, um, taking on a full workload every game. I mean, he is amazing and he's been absolutely on fire since he got traded to Santa Clara, but the 49ers will need to lean on him. I think more heavily in the winter months in the playoffs. If he is fresh and spry and in a good groove by the post season, this is a guy that's had trouble staying healthy in the past. So leaning on, Elijah Mitchell, Ty Davis Price, Jordan Mason, whoever it is out of those three, I think would provide such a significant boost offensively, just taking the ball away from McCaffrey, especially if the game is in hand. I mean, McCaffrey was taking runs late into that game while it seemed like everything was all but over. Um, and now you move on to another game where, you know, the 49ers are a big favorite and it would be nice to build a little bit of consistency, some reliability when it comes to the 49ers running back room and Elijah Mitchell is just a little underwhelming. I mean, when he touched the football last week, that burst, that pop, that ability to run hard that made so many 49er fans fall in love with him as a rookie has seemed to fade it a little bit. And he's dealt with injuries his on his own, but it would just, I I'm looking for one of these guys to impress me, to pop a little bit, because I think it would kind of free up some stuff offensively for the 49ers. It would take some stress off McCaffrey and the rest of that group. Um, lastly, on offense, this is what I think, you know, if we're going to do keys, the keys, the victory type of thing. I think there's no bigger mismatch in this game than the 49ers pass catchers against the Rams secondary. Again, no Jalen Ramsey back for the Rams. On the 49ers side of the ball, you got Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, the reigning NFC Offensive Player of the Week. It should be able to dominate a defensive backfield led by Darion Kendrick, Kobe Durant, Witherspoon. You know some some younger some younger guys, some inexperienced guys. And let's just be honest: one of your more underwhelming secondaries in the league once Jalen Ramsey leaves. 
Um, I think that's where you could really expose this team defensively. And if there was one area that the 49ers, if there was any trouble or if this game did turn into a shootout with Stafford and Nakua and the rest of the guys on fire, this is where the 49ers have the advantage. It looks like Brandon Ayuk is on his way to an absolutely big-time breakout campaign. Debo Samuel, George Kittle didn't have massive performances in week one, but definitely solid enough. And those options for Brock Purdy with his ability to look down the field and try and find these guys and take the big shots instead of just the easy pickups on first down and things like that will be an area the 49ers should absolutely be able to abuse the Rams on Sunday. So now we looked at guys on offense, on defense, very familiar with what this game could potentially look like, have an idea at all the different names. Now let's talk about some of the fun stuff, some of the action, some of the betting lines on this game. First, let's get into some props. I love props personally, and let's just put our money where our mouth is. Talking about the 49ers pass catchers, one of some of the best props of the weekend. I like Brandon Ayuk over 57 and a half yards. I mean, I think this guy's best over under should be around the 80s. I mean, he seems like Brock Purdy's number one target. It's clear they have a connection. And right now with how this offense is formed, he's the field stretcher. He's the guy that's going to get the chunk plays and also catch stuff underneath and especially get hot in the red zone like he showed last week. So I think that 57 and a half number is a little quiet. So I wouldn't mind hitting that one. That's a, that's a prop that I do like. And then moving on to Brock Purdy over one and a half touchdown passes. I think when he is in the red zone, when he approaches the opposite end of the field, his eyes will be upfield. This is a guy that likes to score, has a little bit of moxie, and does not want to settle and give, you know, it should give him a shot at hitting that over at one and a half touchdown passes. Um, moving on to the actual spread in this game, you know, I think it could be looked at as a trap game, you know, divisional opponent on the road, back-to-back -back road games. The Rams impressed in week one. Stafford looks healthy. Let's hold the phone. Let's not overthink this. The 49ers are eight and a half point favorites on the road against the divisional opponent. If this game was at Levi's instead of Levi's South, we're maybe talking about 10, 13 and a half points with a weak secondary and Purdy looking downfield expecting the 49ers to score early and often. We're not even, we haven't even talked about the dynamic of Christian McCaffrey, the nasty defense that the 49ers possess against a team that again, impressed in week one, but I wouldn't surprise me if things come down to earth a little bit for the Rams against a team like the 49ers, the 49ers let's remind everybody again, had one of the most impressive wins in week one on the NFL slate. A lot of people picked the Steelers to even win that game during their prediction se segment. Let's not overthink this. The 49ers, there's a reason they are at the top of most power rankings and things like this. This team is a machine. There's a ton of talent on that field. And while the Rams have talent, it's very, very top heavy. They're counting on a lot of young guys. Let's not overthink this. Let's not get cute. 49ers, eight and a half, should be pretty easy. It's, it feels like, I don't know. As for my prediction, I think I'm going to go 28-10 in LA as the 49ers move to 2-0 and head back to Santa Clara for their home opener next week with an undefeated record. 28-10 49ers 
in Los Angeles. That's going to do it for most of our 49ers preview against the Rams. But before we head out of here, kind of a tradition on Believe in 49ers since I've been under center here. We got to talk a little bit about college football, what we're watching this weekend, some names of guys we could be seeing on Sunday here soon. And as much as I love talking about college football and I love the college game, this is a weak slate on the docket for Saturday. I can't lie. But that being said, individual teams will still be out there. And I am all aboard the Coach Prime and the Buffalo, Colorado Buffaloes wagon. Shadur Sanders is a legit NFL quarterback. And hopefully this isn't too hot takey or anything like that. I personally believe Travis Hunter might be one of the most exciting athletes to watch in the world right now. Yes, you heard me. And I don't know if this is my love for football. And as an old washed up football player, him going both ways at a ridiculous level with a ton of reps. It just reminds me of the joy of Pop Warner. You know, everybody knows that one stud that had to play middle linebacker and quarterback running back and safety that made all the plays. Travis Hunter is doing this at a very high level winning games, helping his team win games for him. I mean, it absolutely stud. I can't tell you right now what his NFL future is going to look like, whether it's corner, wide receiver, or whatever. All I got to say is he is very exciting and an absolute excuse to tune in on Saturday. And they played Colorado State in a rivalry game. They played TCU and Nebraska already on their schedule. This isn't your headliner matchup. But that is how must watch how kind of Hollywood coach prime and the Buffaloes have looked this year. I'm all aboard the wagon. I, I can't hate on it. I'm absolutely tuning in. Um, and also, you know, in the Pac-12 grand hurrah, it's fun to have a team like this. It's fun to have a ton of electric quarterbacks in the Pac-12. A, a lot like eight teams ranked in the top 25 right now. If you're a Pac-12 fan, fan of football here on the West Coast, college football, it is a fun time. You know, and outside of that Buffalo's game, Colorado, I almost want to call them Buffalo Bills. Outside of the Colorado game, there's only really a few interesting ones. You got Washington versus Michigan State. It's in East Lansing. Washington's been incredible to start the year. Michael Penix Jr., absolute Heisman campaign, and on his way to potentially being a top 10, top 15 pick. Then you got Oregon State, very underrated team. Seems like everybody's sleeping on them against San Diego State. And then you got Penn State versus Illinois. The reason I'm highlighting that one is I haven't watched Illinois play this year, and I couldn't tell you their record, but I know heading into the season, they were kind of a highly touted, sleeper-interested team. I'll be tuned in all Saturday on college football. Actually reworking my garage right now, installing some TVs in there, so we'll have a lot of action in there. Um, can't wait but if there's a draft prospect out there that you're watching and tuned into let me know on twitter because i'll be watching alongside with you at tommy underscore iii we'll be back shortly here on believing 49ers with a reaction to sunday's contest against the rams right here on the believe network as always thank you so much for listening i appreciate all of you for sticking with me as we get our feet wet here on believing 49ers the training wheels they're coming off slowly but surely but we'll be back again next week for a reaction to Rams versus 49ers right here on Believe in 49ers. This is Tommy Call. 
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.